in here anyway. Another day of rain in the Mid-South, and uh, I like the rain, but you know, at some point in time, I guess you get to a saturation uh, point in life, and so I'm not sure, maybe we need to pull the plans out for the ark and start building, but we are glad that you're here. Very grateful for your presence. We're always thankful for the opportunity to be together. Very thankful for those of you who are visiting. As always, we invite you to come back. Grateful that you have chosen to be here today. And we want you to know that you honor us with your presence. And if you are looking for a church home, please know that we would love to have you come and be a part of our church family. It would mean a lot to us if you would come and join hands with us and help us to do what we can to make Jesus known in this community. I do want to uh, say how proud we are of Bobby and Tina and their decision to obey the gospel. We're so thankful that they were baptized yesterday and our prayers are with them and we're grateful for them and for the great example that they set and uh, look forward to growing closer to them in time. We're going to be looking today at several verses, specifically the passage read a moment ago in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Solomon, many, many years ago, said, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Many of us are familiar with the heart. And typically, when we talk about the heart, we automatically think about that very powerful muscle in the human body that is working to keep us alive. It's amazing how hard the heart works every single minute of every hour of every day. And you think about how important it is to have a healthy heart. And we all understand the importance of eating right and exercising and trying to maintain some type of fitness so that our heart will be strong and ultimately we want it to be durable, don't we? You know, sometimes, sadly, individuals have heart problems and they know nothing about it. When I was a sophomore in high school, one of my really good friends, he and I had been close through elementary school all the way up through high school, and I remember one day while we were at school, an announcement came over the intercom. The statement was made that my close friend's dad had died of a heart attack that morning. It was a Friday. My friend's dad was an engineer for TVA. And in that day and time, back then, the bus was a service that many people used in the city of Chattanooga. He rode a bus to TVA every day. There was a nurse who was standing at the bus stop with him. My friend said that morning, he got him up for school, said everything seemed fine. It wouldn't be but just a little bit after that that he would have a massive heart attack and be gone. The nurse said there was nothing, nothing to do, nothing could be, nothing could be done to revive him. And so we know that it's important to take care of our heart. And sometimes we can have problems and not know anything about it. Granted, there are many of us here today that 
are knowledgeable of those who have heart problems and we're grateful for medication and modern science that enables us to live long and productive lives even though we might have some type of heart problem. Spiritually speaking, the heart that we're talking about is not this physical organ in the body, but rather we're talking about the essence of ourselves, the mind, if you please. And interestingly, one of the things that stands out to me is that we too might have a heart problem. Well, not a physical heart problem, but a spiritual heart problem and not know anything about it. Now, it might be that we are familiar with our weaknesses. We understand our points of vulnerability and so we try to safeguard ourselves. But nonetheless, the heart. Solomon said, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. What I want us to do today is somewhat unusual from a typical lesson that we think about from week to week. This lesson is an invitation to all of us to explore our own heart. What I want us to do is to think about the subject today, the gallery of your heart. I don't know if any of you have ever been to a museum. It's fascinating to go to museums. As a matter of fact, I was in the Brooks Museum not long ago. And as you go from room to room, the artifacts that they possess, incredible. They have certain artifacts that date back to the day of Abraham. We're talking about 4,000 years old. There are other objects there that date back to about the time of Christ. And so it's interesting to go from room to room and to look at the different narratives and objects that they have accumulated, some on loan to the museum. What I want us to do today is to go to a museum or a gallery. And I want us to walk through the different rooms, but in this case, what I want us to do is to walk through the gallery of your heart. Let's go from room to room. Now, the heart muscle, this organ housed within our body, has four very specific chambers. So what I want us to do is to look at four rooms in our heart. I want to begin by, first of all, encouraging you to walk with me into what I call the wealth room. The wealth room is really a room that suggests what's really important to you. If somebody were to ask you, what's important in your life? You know, sometimes it's one thing to say what's important, but then the fruit of our lives bear greater testimony, don't they? Didn't Jesus say, by their fruits you shall know them? So if we were to walk into the gallery of your heart and the first room that we were to go into were the wealth room. And you think about in this wealth room, on the one hand, there could be what I would call our material treasures. 
On the other hand, it might be our spiritual treasures. Understanding that the spiritual and the material can go hand in hand. Nothing wrong with having material goods. Nothing wrong with having wealth. As long as we're a good steward of that which we possess. So let's just imagine we're walking into this gallery. And the first room that we enter is your wealth room. What do we see hanging on the walls? What do we see around this room? Do we see the accomplishments in your life, the accolades, your academic standing? Do we see your degrees hanging on the wall? Is it possible that we see citations or merits of recognition hanging on the wall indicating that you've been a very special person. Maybe there are certain things around your room that suggest that from a corporate standpoint or vantage point, you've been very successful, you've been recognized for your achievements. So maybe that would be the center of the room. Is it possible that as we walked into this room, we would see all of your toys, all of your material possessions, the things that really mean something to you. We would see your hunting gear, your fishing equipment, your golf clubs. Is it possible that we would see all of the material things that you think are something? You know, Jesus said on one occasion, take heed and beware of covetousness. And here's why. He said, A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things he possesses. What happens sometimes is the material, the pursuit for the things of this world take over. And rather than focusing on the spiritual, it's all about the material, it's all about our accomplishments and our abundance. You remember the rich farmer that Jesus described in Luke chapter 12, whose barns were bulging so much so that he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater. And he said, there I will bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I'll say to my soul, so you have many goods, let it for many years, take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, isn't that what a lot of folks are living for in the world today? So as we go through this room and as we navigate our way around this room and the gallery of your heart, what would stand out? I mean, what would be the center of that room? Is it your clothes? Is it the things that you like to tinker with? Would it be those things that that really draw you in by way of a hobby? What it have to do with all of your accomplishments? And, and let me just say this. Nothing wrong with being recognized. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Sometimes, however, because we have, because we have achieved some level of notoriety, if we're not careful, sometimes that, that tends to infringe upon our spiritual life. You remember Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 1? Talked about how he was the king over Israel and Jerusalem. He was a powerful man, wasn't he? 
He went on to say that he had attained greatness. He was a man of great popularity. And sometimes those things can weigh us down, spiritually speaking. As we enter into the wealth room, is it possible that rather than the material and the physical things of life being at the center of that room, would it be possible that what we would see is an open Bible? Pages that are worn and frayed. Is it possible that we would see other study helps, commentaries, and word books? Might we see a notebook with a pen or pencil nearby where day in and day out you're taking notes and you're studying and you're growing? You know, Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is it possible that you're pouring over this word like the psalmist of old who meditated on the law of the Lord and he did that day and night, Psalm 1, verse 2? Is it possible that as we entered that room, unknown to us, we're entering a room where many, many times you have gotten down on your knees and prayed to God You've gone into the closet and you have prayed daily to God in heaven. Because Paul said, pray without ceasing. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Is that your wealth room? Would it be a room where you have committed to memory verse after verse after verse that you have tried to acquaint yourself with the fundamentals of the faith? That you are ready and able to give a defense, an apologetic for what you believe, 1 Peter 3, 15, because you have so armed yourself. In that wealth room, is it possible that we are in a room where you are fortifying yourself every single day to go out and fight the good fight of faith that Paul talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 6? That you are armed and equipped and ready for battle every day. Is that your wealth room? Now, there are some other rooms to, to explore, to look at, and we're invited to take this journey. And I want to remind us, as we think about this journey that we're taking, while it's true, that when it's all said and done, we are the only one that truly know what's in that room with the exception of one person, and that's the Lord. Because the Hebrew writer said, neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. God knows all, He sees all. He searches the reins and hearts. That's what John wrote in Revelation chapter 2. The second room that I want us to enter is what I call the warmth room. Now, it might be at your house you have what is typically called the sunroom. Many of us like to go out in the sunroom because it is just that. It's a sunroom. And on blustery days, we can go out into the sunroom and the sun beams in and we enjoy the warmth of that room. I'm not talking, though, about that kind of room. 
I'm talking about a room that we're going to walk in and we're going to gauge your love and affection. We're going to talk about your feelings. The feelings that you have for God. The feelings that you have for one another. That is, people who who make up the human family. So when we enter this room, as we walk into this room, what we're doing, we are seeing not what means the most to you, but how you feel. How you feel about God. How you feel about His people. So as we enter this room, what do we see? You know, we talk about our affections, and our affections and our attitude go hand in hand, don't they? You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22 that we are supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Jesus said this is the first and great commandment, right? But then He said a second like unto it is this, we're to love our neighbor as ourself. He said on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, So as we walk into this room and as we, you know, sometimes when you walk into a room, a room filled with people, you can either feel the warmth or the flip side is it can be cold as ice, if you know what I mean. You ever gone into a place and as you you walk in, you just feel so welcomed and so you feel like you're a part of the family. You feel invited, don't you? You're encroaching on their space, but you feel at home. And then there are places you go to, and as you walk in, it's just like an iceberg. It's like, you know, I, I, get, I get the point. You want me to leave, don't you? So, as we walk into this room, as we gauge your affection for the Lord, what's the barometer saying? Do you love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? You know, John said we love Him because He first loved us, right? If we genuinely love Almighty God, it's because He first loved us. In recognition of the tremendous sacrifice that God made for us, that ought to serve as a catalyst driving us to love Him, to serve Him. And as I think about His people, when we walk into this room, do we get a sense that that we are the products of what Jesus said in John chapter 13 when He said, By this all men shall know that you are my disciples. How, Lord, that you love one another. Is Is that who we are and what we are? Is that how, is that the sense that we would get if we walked into the gallery of your heart, and we stepped into the warmth room. Not just any warmth room, but into your warmth room. And we're walking around, and we're measuring your love for God. How much do you love God? How much do you love His people? I said a moment ago that attitude and affection go hand in hand. It's one thing to say, I love God, I love His people, but it's a different thing to demonstrate that, isn't it? Don't we say talk is cheap? Isn't that what we say? When God talked about, when God in the long ago talked about His love for us, and the Bible says God is love. But God took it to another level, didn't He? Because 
Paul said, God commends His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says God spared not His own Son, freely gave Him up for us all. God loved us, yes, but He demonstrated that love, did He not? So, to say we love God, so how do I show God how much I love Him? Here's what John said, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. I show my love for God by living according to His Word, don't I? Sometimes I stumble, sometimes I fall, sometimes my, sometimes my life isn't what it ought to be because I'm a human being. But I'm striving to do what's right. I'm striving to walk in the light, as John said, with the assurance that His blood is constantly availing or working on my behalf. So, Let's just say that we've made the claim time and again how much we love God. And we walk into the room and rather than it being warm and inviting and compelling us to stay, it's cold and lukewarm or possibly dead. There's just no love there. Demonstrated by our attitude. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about people who first gave themselves to the Lord. If you genuinely love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, then you will give yourself to His cause, won't you? If you genuinely love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and He is what He ought to be in your life, then wouldn't it, wouldn't it stand to reason that you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? That everything revolves around him. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, you know what he said? For to me to live is Christ. What are you saying, Paul? I'm saying that my life is about Jesus. Talk's cheap, isn't it? Did Paul demonstrate his love for the Lord? Yes, he did. How did he do that? He said, I've been crucified with Christ. He said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So as we walk into your room, as we walk into your warmth room and we gauge the level of your affection for the Lord, let's just be honest. Let's be as honest as we can be. What would we say? What would we say? Or maybe what would that room reflect about our affection about our attitude for the Lord? Let's go to another room. A third room. We're talking about the gallery of your heart. We're going from room to room to room to room. We're halfway there. So now we're entering the Word room. The Word room. And when we... When we enter this room, the first thing that we see on the wall or on the walls are our thoughts. Do you remember what Solomon said in Proverbs 23, 7? As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let's just say that we have all entered the gallery of your heart. And we're in the word room. 
And all of your thoughts are splashed upon the wall. Good thoughts, bad thoughts, wholesome thoughts, ugly thoughts. What would we see? Could I ask you a very personal question? Would you be ashamed for us to be in your word room? Would you be ashamed if all of your thoughts, I'm talking about all of your thoughts, were splashed across the walls in this, in this room right now? Remember what Solomon said? As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts are the window into who you are. And make no mistake about it, what you think will ultimately come out, won't it, in your speech? You see, this room is about what we think and what we say. Now, what about our thoughts and our speech, the way we talk? Well, here's what Jesus said. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, think about that for a minute. That means whatever is running around in your mind, the thoughts that are constantly coming in and out of your mind, those thoughts are going to find their way out, right? How are they going to find their way out? You're going to verbalize them. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed what? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, false witnesses, and blasphemies. In other words, they come from within. Now here's what I want you to think about very carefully for just a moment. Now we talk about our thoughts and how we talk. Paul said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Okay, let's just think about that for a minute. Did you know that every thought, everything that you say will one day, one day, be brought up at the judgment? Do you know that? Jesus said, every idle word that men may speak, they will give an account thereof, where? In the day of judgment. Here's what James said, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. What he is saying is that whatever you say and whatever you do will follow you to the judgment. So as we enter this room and as we make our way around this room and we're looking at thought after thought after thought after thought day and night, seven days a week, as we look at all of your thoughts and then as we begin to look at all the things that you say day in and day out, Would you be embarrassed? Let me ask you this. Are you embarrassed? Are you embarrassed by what we would see? Let's go to the fourth room very quickly. Our time's gone. The fourth room is the worship room. And this has something to say about my praise to the Lord. When I go to the worship room, I understand that I am peering into the life of someone who 
identifies himself, herself as a Christian. So here's what I want to ask. When I walk into the gallery of your heart and as I enter the worship room, do I see marks of private devotion? What I said a minute ago, do I see a Bible that's open, the leather's worn, the pages are frayed, verses are underlined and marked, notes have been made. Is that what I see? Or do I see a Bible that has yet to be opened? You remember you got it for Christmas? You got it for your birthday? You got it for graduation? Covers hard as a rock. Pages are still stuck together. You know what that means? It's not being used. When I walk into that room, no evidence of a prayer life. Cold, sterile, lukewarm, dead faith. And then when I think about public worship, do I see, do I see a room that is filled with private and public devotion to God? Do I see the marks of a life who says, you know what, worship is, it's an imperative in my life. Do I see the marks of someone who says, as the psalmist did many, many years ago, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. I see somebody who genuinely wants to be in the presence of God and with His people day in and day out. Is that what I see? Or do I see evidence of a life that says, you know, maybe I'll be there on Sunday, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll come back Sunday night, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll be there Wednesday night, maybe I won't. I mean, it just depends on what's going on. I mean, after all, I've got, I've got a life, don't I? So let's just think for a minute as we, as we look at the worship center, the worship room. Is your life built around Almighty God? Is your life about worshiping God? Now, again, talk is cheap. I know the excuses. I've heard the excuses. And I know there are a lot of folks that, that, that will say this and that as to why they can't come, don't come, etc. Let me tell you what. You know whether you can be here or not. You know whether you've been here or not, right? So when we enter the worship room, what's the conclusion? As we look at the four rooms, the gallery of your heart, what do we see? Here's what I want you to understand. The gallery of your heart, that gallery what is in those rooms will follow you to the judgment. Did you know that? Every single room will be opened, visited, a conclusion will be drawn. Here's what Paul said, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God, so then each of us must give an account of himself to God. Remember what James said, so, 
so speak, so do, as those who will be judged by what? By the law of liberty. Look, you're going to be judged. I will be judged on the basis of those rooms. Let's just say that we're now standing before the throne of God. And God says, let me just very quickly take you through a tour of the rooms of your heart. And here, here's what I have seen, and here is my conclusion. I want to ask you a question right now, and I want, it, I want you to think about this. On the basis of the rooms of your heart, are you saved or lost? Are you going to heaven? Or will you go to hell? Think about that. Where will you spend eternity? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we say it a lot, this is your golden hour, it is. I would strongly urge you to become a child of God today. Why? Because God loves you. Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Because if you are lost, it will be because you made the decision to live outside the realm of spiritual safety. So do what they did on Pentecost Day. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. God will add you to the church. You'll enjoy all spiritual blessings, and ultimately you'll have that home that Jesus talked about in John 14. Now, if you're here today and you're a Christian and as you walk through the gallery of your heart and as you examine yourself, you realize, you know what? I've got some things that need to be made right. It might be that you need the prayers of the church. You want the prayers of the church. And we would be more than happy to pray with you and for you and God will abundantly pardon, Hebrews 8, 12. Whatever your need today, please come as we stand and sing.